This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on Sports Hub Triad. Cassius Stanley, minutes ago, just put this up on his Twitter page. Quote, as much as I I feel a burning desire to make another run at a Final Four, I feel compelled to make the best decision for my professional success and evaluating players, the NBA values youth. Therefore, I have decided to enter the 2020 NBA draft. So Trey Jones, he's off to the NBA. Cassius Stanley, he's putting his name into the draft as well. And we're expecting Vernon Carey to. However, I do think with Stanley's athleticism, some of the versatility he has defensively, what the NBA tends to value, he might have a better NBA draft profile than Carey does. Carey, easily a better ACC player this year, more effective, more dominant. But uh, Stanley seems to me to be a better NBA prospects. So we'll wait and see what Vernon Carey's decision is and when that ultimately comes. Cam Newton, he's not going to be a Los Angeles Charger. I'm going to take an L on that one. I said they were the front runner and we heard from Chargers GM Tom Telesco earlier today on Get Up saying that they're good with Tyrod Taylor and they're good looking at the draft, potentially, for their future quarterback. They're not going to roll the dice on Cam. So we're going to bring back a segment we've done a couple of times, but I have three teams I believe to be front runners. Good situations for Cam Newton to step into in free agency. It's a segment we call Cam Newtown. The Carolina Panthers are moving on from Cam Newton. Noted. Moving on. Josh has the most likely places he will go next. Where should we start? This is Cam Newtown. Okay. This is a team I've had as a dark horse all along. And right now, they're settling into what I believe to be the prime position to sign Cam. The Miami Dolphins. They have the seventh most cap space. From a personality standpoint, the suits and such, a lifestyle standpoint, it makes sense for Cam. Cam will probably be uh, interested in going to a place where there's no state income tax either. And that's always something we forget about when we talk about Florida. It's a personality fit. It's a lifestyle fit. It's also a team that seems ready to start pursuing winning. Last year, they weren't ready for that they were tanking they were veering towards young players and collecting assets while also building up a bunch of dead cap and doing so yet brian flores won some games at the end of the year he completely shook up the afc playoff picture by beating the new england patriots in the regular season finale i think this is a team that's building it the right way it looks an awful lot like new england they had cap space they spend it on corners they are trying to build a stronger and younger front seven that'll be there for years to come. Offensively, you got Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. I think Cam would be an upgrade from that. Tua Tagovailoa, probably going to be the pick at five. That's what a lot of people uh, believe the Dolphins are going to go with their first-round pick or one of their three first-round picks. I just think the Dolphins make a lot of sense. I'm going to put them as my first team. Next up, the Buffalo Bills. Doesn't it seem like every former Carolina Panthers ending up in Buffalo? Familiarity, it's an important thing. The Chargers, they're valuing Tyrod Taylor because Anthony Lynn can vouch for him. He was the OC and quarterbacks coach with the Bills when Tyrod Taylor was a pro bowler there in 2015. The Panthers, they valued Teddy Bridgewater because Joe Brady could vouch for him and vice versa. We heard it from Robbie Anderson. I asked him what was appealing about Carolina. It was his relationship with Matt Rule dating back to their college days at Temple. And it also was him knowing Teddy back when they were both New York Jets. 
most decisions in free agency you see as these big blockbuster moves, these big acquisitions, they're usually stemmed to personal relationships, familiarity, and the Bills have Brandon Bean, former Panthers assistant GM with Dave Gettleman. Sean McDermott, of course, is a former Panthers DC. You got Ken Dorsey, who was Cam's quarterback coach early on, and then a ton of teammates who know Cam. Quarterback speaking, the system that Buffalo's running, it's similar to what Carolina's trying to do. Josh Allen isn't the most accurate passer, has this rocket arm deep down the field. He's Cam Newton light, except Cam just isn't healthy right now. So system-wise, why not bring in a backup quarterback who runs something, who has run something similar to what you're running right now? Buffalo, also top 10 in the NFL in cap space. They are my second team. Lastly, the Denver Broncos. If familiarity is important, you got to look at where your former OCs and quarterback coaches are. Mike Shula, former OC, former quarterbacks coach, he is the QB coach in Denver. 11th in cap space, so they could make it happen. You do have a young quarterback there in Drew Locke that they seem to like. I've already seen rumors that Denver might be sniffing around, seeing what's happening with Cam. It's a good organization, one of the more underrated in the NFL. That family, the Bolin family, one of the strongest the league has, multiple Super Bowl champions. I think the Denver Broncos might take a look at signing Cam since he's on discount. So those are the three teams I'm looking at right now as the leading candidates to sign Cam Newton, the Miami Dolphins, the Denver Broncos, and the Buffalo Bills. West Durham, he's going to join us in 10 minutes out on his porch or maybe in a studio he has in his home in Cartersville, Georgia. We'll talk ACC basketball with him, maybe get some Michael Jordan stories out of him like we did with Roy Williams earlier today via Zoom press conference. You could tweet the show at Sports Hub Triad, 336-777-1600, be in the phone number. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers revealed their new uniforms today. What do we think, guys? I thought it, they looked good. Aren't these the same uniforms they had three or four years ago? They are. Not, they are exactly the same, not, except for like the gray a, one. They're like a matte finish to them. It's yeah, like, they're the same uniform. Yeah. They even say, paying homage to the championship seasons they've had, as if they've won multiple Super Bowls. They're not exactly the same. I mean, The gray been, one is completely different. Yeah, we have the, never seen that, the pewter. The Chiefs uniforms aren't exactly the same as they were in 69 either, but they're the same. Gosh. Go back and look at the Panthers uniforms in 1995. They are almost to a T, the same thing that they have now. When are the Panthers going to get their uniform change? When they start winning. I mean, three straight NFC South championships didn't change it. I mean, usually now is about the time you see a uniform change. You get a new regime come in. David Tepper's a squirrely guy, it seems. So, What do you mean by squirrely guy? He's a squirrely guy. You never know what he's got up his sleeve. Oh. Tepper... He strikes me as somebody who lets you know exactly what he's going to do. Like, you kind of know what's up anytime you hear Tepper speak. I want an MLS team. Gets an MLS team. I'm not a doctor. When asked, is Cam going to stick around? Cam's not on the team a month later. Like, Tepper, <laughs> I, I don't think there's anybody who's more straight up, more real in that position, more outward. Maybe a Jerry Jones, potentially. Uh, David Tepper, he's in that discussion among those who just don't give a bleep about trying to hide their emotions. Let's go to Aaron in Greensboro, who has a destination for Cam Newton. I listed off the Dolphins, the Broncos, the Bills. Where are you going, Aaron? Uh, New York Jets. Uh, Sam Darnold's been injury prone. Uh, they haven't fared well in the past with the draft. Uh, they drafted uh, Greg McElroy, Taj Boyd, Bryce Petty. So it fits his style, his personality, too. So, Man, Cam Newton in New York, that's quite a thought. Thank you for the call, Aaron. Is it fair to say Sam Darnold's injury-prone when he has pneumonia, mono? Whatever it was. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. that I almost put that in the same category as somebody saying 
after the Eagles lose in the playoffs and Carson Wentz gets speared in the back of the head by Jadavion Clowney. Oh, just another example of Carson Wentz being injury prone. If somebody spear spears you in the back of the head and it's a concussion, that's not the same as your body being broken. Well, I mean, those aren't injury Sam concerns. Darnold is like, a, that was a health thing. Exactly. Not like a body injury. Right. I put it kind Wentz of. does get injured. Though. He does. Yeah. He does. But I'm not adding concussion in the same box I do. Oh, he injured his knee. Oh, he injured soft tissue stuff. I, I don't put that in the same category. It's become clear to me, based on our conversation with Danny Manning yesterday, that John Curry still hasn't made up his mind on what to do with Danny. But why? We'll discuss that with Wes Durham next. Providing you with the latest sports news, commentary, and analysis, plus tips on how to cheat at bingo. You're on the drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. Our friend from the ACC Network, Wes Durham, is now in here. And Wes, we had Danny Manning on the show yesterday. I heard. It was his first conversation or first uh, interview he gave since the season ended. And there are some things I think... He wasn't going to answer. He wasn't going to go there. Other areas, it's difficult for him to answer, but I really appreciated him coming on, and usually he's a guy who's pretty short, but I thought in that context, he was a lot more expansive than he had to be at Mm -hmm. points. Um, But my takeaway from it was, John Curry, I don't think he's made his decision yet on Danny, and it might be wise for him to do so, but... uh, Otherwise, Danny, he would have told us that yesterday or Wake Forest would have put out a press release because we can't disagree that it doesn't help Danny on the recruiting front as they bring in a grad chancellor and Ian Dubois from Houston Baptist last week and are looking to add other assets to this um, roster. It doesn't help if this is kind of hanging over his head, just rumors and speculation. No, I would agree with that. I think the the same... You know, what Martin Jarman did, what, three weeks ago at uh, at Boston College along the same lines, except Martin Jarman and, and maybe the case with John Curry the same. I don't know. I haven't had the conversation with John, and even if I asked him, probably like you, I, I don't know that I would uh, be given the answer. I, look, the scenario is this is difficult. This is a unique landscape we're working through here, right? Um, in fact, I was talking with someone earlier today. There have been very minimal coaching changes in the college landscape. Uh, when you look at what has transpired since, what, a month ago this weekend, right? Um, and I, I think that's to be understood at this point. Uh, you know, and, and so, look, is is Wake going to make a change? I Look, I, I Josh, I don't know how, number one, I don't know how programs with long-tenured coaches who you know are going to be there forever or at least for the next three to five years are recruiting in the spring right now, let alone ones that are, you know, you think might have been given a an extra swing on the house because of, a pandemic. You know? It would just I mean, be bad so optics, it, wouldn't it? It's difficult. It I would think be, it's all difficult. It would be bad optics at this point for somebody to shell out $15 million while we look at the current economic state of things. Because all of that's going to change. That 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 part of this, I mean, not a day goes by, and I know you read as, as much as I do, or maybe more, because you're, you're doing this every day. I mean, you could go get an article freshly minted this morning online or in somebody's paper talking about what the business of college athletics is going to look like. And it's going to change. I mean, we don't know the the degrees of the change, but it's going to change. Iowa State, for example. I I think Jamie Pollard, in many respects, and I have great respect for Jamie. I've gotten to know him a little bit. I wouldn't say we're friends, but Dave Archer, who does the Falcons with me on radio, is an Iowa State grad, and he and Jamie are are, – good friends and talk often, uh, especially as it relates to Cyclone football. Um, And what Jamie Pollard did is what I think a lot of people are going to do. But Jamie was the first guy in the pool because he understood his budgets more. I mean, I would tell you there are some really, really good business people in today's college athletics. And a trend about a decade or so ago was to hire people from the business side, the financial side, to be athletic directors. Well, coming out on the backside of this, I think we're going to be fortunate in college athletics because 
Not to say that the old coach wasn't a good athletic director, but the business side of college athletics will be best served by people who are going to look at their at their budgets and understand the cost. I thought what Luke DeCock wrote yesterday in the in the Raleigh paper was spot on about the landscape, and Bubba Cunningham talked about it, so did Boo Cargan. We don't know what the dollars and cents are going to look like because we don't have any clarity on what 2020, 2021 is going to look like yet. For the record, I reached out after our conversation with Danny to John Curry and Wake Forest Athletics. They politely declined to have an on-air interview, and they said that the moment that they're ready to speak, they'll be reaching out to us then. But for those who may have missed this portion of the Danny Manning interview, this is what Danny said in response to a Simple question of what assurances have you been given, if any, by John Curry that you'll be the coach next year? Well, you know, for me, it's just I'm moving forward as, as I'm going to be here. That's always been my thought process. That's what I said when the season ended, and that's how I feel. So, you know, we're continuing to, to move forward and doing the things necessary to get us prepared um, for this new normal that we're in right now. Yeah, I mean – you, I'm going to keep doing me, and if you give me a reason not to continue doing that, uh, you're going to have to write me a fat check. Right. And, and look, that's, that's the business landscape of college athletics, and he's not the only one, right? I mean, sometimes the price tag is, you know, and, and by the way, everything we're being told is speculative in terms of what that number is, right? Sure. It is I not mean, confirmed, but – uh, Connor O'Neill and others have said that if it's a guaranteed contract, that's where Jeff Goodman would have gotten the $18 million from, which right. means a year later it would be $15 million. Wake Forest does not put out that information. So, yes, it is still speculative, not confirmed. Okay. So let's just assume then that I would think he's probably operating from a point of at least understanding that there, while there may or may not have been a conversation with somebody representing his interest in the in Wake Forest, then Danny's going to come back and coach in 2020 and 2021, and he is right on all fronts to think that way. And therefore, he's got to go ahead and decide exactly what he wants to do and what he wants to do to get the basketball program better. You mentioned Dubois, who I understand to be a decent talent. Has to make the transition, obviously, from what is it, the Southland Conference to the ACC. Yep. Um, and I would say that those can go a variety of ways. Carleek Jones, who just uh, is a grad transfer who's going to go to Louisville from Radford, is a proven scorer who has scored against bigger teams. So I would say Carleek Jones has a reason to be one of the more highly thought of grad transfers. I don't know about the young man who's coming from Columbia to play at, at Duke. Patrick Tate. Yeah, or do I have an understanding of the of the gra- of the uh, sophomore transfer from Quinnipiac, Rich Kelly, who put up about 19 a game uh, at Quinnipiac, who's going to transfer to Boston College? All that being said, I don't have a problem with what Danny Manning is saying because right now on April the 7th, he should act like he's going to be the basketball coach at Wake Forest next year because, quite frankly, there's been no indication elsewise. Wes Durham with us here from the ACC Network. Chandy Brown, Olivier Saar, if they both return, I think Wake, I think it's an NCAA tournament team. I know some might disagree with me on that. I think Danny does a great job developing bigs, and this might be no the question. best group of bigs that he has when you consider Chandy, who could kind of play both ways, all ACC type of talent. Olivier Saar was all ACC this year. Odie Aguama, Isaiah Musius. And then we never got a chance to see Tariq Ingram or Sunday OKK this year because of injury. So I, I, it's a great group of forwards. That's who Danny does a great job coaching dating back to his days at Kansas. So we'll see what happens with those two players. Danny says he expects them to explore the NBA draft process, whatever that might mean. But I'd be surprised uh, if Chandi's not back and Olivier, it's in his best interest, I believe. Well, I think Olivier Saar should look at it. Um, I heard Connor O'Neill on a podcast with Lauren Brownlow say that Olivier Saar, I guess, is staying in Durham. He's uh, staying with a walk-ons. Yeah, Blake parents. Buchanan, I think. Is that right? Yeah, you're not. A, yeah, Blake Buchanan, because Wake Forest, you have to stay in school for three years, and he's a junior, can't go back to France. So yeah, he's right. he's with a walk-ons family right now. So the idea of uh, Olivier Saar looking at it is understandable. 
Um, and I, I, you know, I understand this. I, I don't relate to it because I, I don't can't get my arms around it. This urgency of guys to go ahead and, you know, there's some something wrong with playing four years of college basketball. I think it actually benefits most kids. In fact, Wake needs to look no further than the guy who just went in the Hall of Fame this weekend, who got substantially better his sophomore or his junior and senior years as a collegiate player. Took no um, corners in his development. No, you I mean, absolutely. And, and Tim Duncan proved to be one of the best players in ACC history and one of the best players in the NBA. But I, I think that Olivier Saar would benefit from coming back. I think Shondi Brown would. Uh, I thought Jacoby Neath could – I mean, it will be a different type point guard, but Jacoby Neath can certainly help them. But I, I would tell you, Josh, the same thing that the conversation that's fallen in the last three weeks is you look at the ACC next year – and obviously you see the reload at Carolina. You know what Duke's doing. Virginia certainly has talented players coming in. Syracuse looks like they're doing, uh, you know, they're doing well recruiting-wise. Louisville, obviously, if, if everybody comes back. I know War put his name in. There's a, a question about the junior college kid who may go. Uh, Jay Scrub, I think, is the kid's name, who's a talented JUCO player. I look at it and say, okay, how big is that glob that Mark and I talked about in the morning's the glob. This year, gonna, how, how, how big is that glob going to be next year? And, <laughs> and to be honest with you, I think it could be pretty substantial again because I think there are a lot of teams that are going to be pushing. Georgia Tech certainly finished strong, going to bring back a lot of players except James Banks and Evan Cole from Meaningful Minutes. You know, what, what is this league going to look like? Plus 20 games, and I'll say this again, who you play twice counts. Not just the two you play twice every year, but who are your other two, or who are your other four, I should say, that uh, that comprise your uh, your your games in that light your your twelve games, um, you know. In the case of somebody like Boston College, they play Notre Dame, Syracuse, Florida State, Louisville, Miami, and NC State twice. Georgia Tech next year plays Duke, Florida State, Virginia, Wake Forest, Notre Dame, and Clemson twice. Well, that Duke, Florida State, and Virginia trio that'll be a fairly substantial six games for what Georgia Tech's ultimate game will be. Did you see Mountain Roy early? Earlier today. Yes, I've seen the online. I saw a Twitter picture of the uh, young man from Spruce Pine, North Carolina, <laughs> who has now grown out the beard. Yes. Uh, it says Wanda Williams is his name. Well, he, uh, <laughs> he I got to tell you, he's, he's a sweetheart. Um, yeah. <laughs> unbelievable what he's doing. I, uh, a lot of us are, are running into, uh, a lot of us are going to run into some of the uh, grooming uh, hassles that maybe we hadn't anticipated. Haven't going shaved in two weeks. I'm looking rough right now. Well, my son is elected to grow a mustache. I'm not oh. sure that's a, not sure that's what he needs to try and do. I'm going to need to find. Uh, I think my wife is going to have to get a pair of scissors and a and a Remington, some sort of uh, uh, hair cutting clippers of some sort to calm down some of the things that might be going on here. But uh, yeah, Roy, no, he's. <laughs> He's got the beard, and uh, I, you know, the challenge will be when we get back to some degree of normalcy, will he keep it? And I'm going to bet the odds are that doesn't happen. But if he does, it would be spectacular. I would be all for it. So last week, Michael Jordan was named ESPN's best college basketball sure, player right, ever, yeah. and Roy, as we've seen in the promo for the Last Dance MJ uh, documentary series that's been moved up to April 19th. He's going to be featured in it as an assistant coach at North Carolina at the sure. time. So I asked Roy earlier today what his early impressions were of young Mike Jordan, and he said that his first impression was when he was in high school and came in during one of their summer camps, and I'll let Roy continue for the rest. To this day, he still treats me like – he did 30 years ago or 40 years ago, I guess it almost is now, but uh, just an incredible person, incredible work ethic and uh, will to win better than anybody I've ever seen and the focus uh, better than any basketball player I've ever seen. The only person that's ever compared to him basketball-wise with how he focused and was so determined was Tyler Hansbro, but it, Mike was just at a different level than anybody other than Tiger Woods in his sport. Typical Roy to throw in the golf there. Here's more from Roy Williams. Old Eddie Fogler that night, I think I just saw the best six foot four inch high school player I've ever seen. That blankety blank, who was that? And uh, I told him, Mike Jordan from Wilmington. And uh, I really believed that at that time, and it stood out more than anything I'd ever seen. And uh, by the end of the 
Smith was having lunch with him and Eddie and I were having breakfast with him and <laughs> all the things that, uh, uh, so we got a pretty good head start on everybody. And Yeah, I would say they got a pretty big head start. Do you yeah. remember the first time Mike Jordan appeared on your radar screen? Uh, yeah, I saw him prior to his freshman year at Carolina. Uh, I actually went to the basketball camp at Carolina, and uh, Coach Herring, Clifton Herring, Pop Herring, brought a lot of his high school teammates, came to the camp that summer, um, including a kid who I will never forget this, was ambidextrous to 19 feet named Kevin Malloy, uh, who played at, at Laney. And then there was another big kid named Reggie Johnson, who was a tremendous player. Um and Coach had a great team. Coach Herring had a great team. I mean, they were they were really, really good. And Michael obviously was the bell cow uh, in the 80-81 season. But he had a good team coming back the next year. And I saw Coach Herring the next winter when Carolina beat Villanova in the East Regional at Reynolds Coliseum to go to the Final Four. And uh, Kevin Malloy was with him at the game. And I kept thinking, you know, Kevin Malloy would be a really good player. And somewhere in college and it just didn't work out for one reason or another. But, um, yeah, I saw Michael prior to his freshman year at Carolina. Um, the thing that struck you was, is that he was, he was big Josh, but he was not nearly as big as he was like when he left Chapel Hill after his junior year. I mean, he was relatively skinny. Um, but, uh, you could see in the pickup games at Granville that summer during camp that, uh, that he had plenty of skill, but, Again, if you grew up playing high school basketball in North Carolina, you kind of, one way or another, knew who the best players in the state were. But just remember the best players in the state at that time were like Chris Washburn at Hickory. Mm. I mean, Buzz Peterson was the high school player of the year in the state that year. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows that story. But Chris Washburn was my age, and Chris was a kid who, you know, everybody was gunned up about uh, playing as a 10th grader. I mean, the, the Chris Washburn stories were already becoming like, you know, the Green Giant, you know, deep in the forest type stuff. And uh, But, you know, Michael was, a, Michael was a talented guy. And the thing that caught you was when you saw him playing pickup ball, even at Granville in the parking lot, was that his athleticism around the goal. I mean, his, his leaping ability, you were kind of like, whoa, wait a second. I mean, he was one step off the baseline and able to kind of follow it back around the rim. And he was 6'4". He was 6'4". I don't think he was 6'5 at the time. Uh, but the other thing that you notice now was, you know, how thin he was as a, as a kid coming to school at Carolina. And Coach Smith was, you know, one of those guys that they found ways to always get weight on you through the strength program at that time. And um, But, you, you know, there I remember more people being keyed up about Buzz Peterson coming to school yeah. as, as Michael and – you know, the other, and I will concur with what Coach Williams says, and it's been years, Josh, since I've been around Michael, but always just gracious, um, always very kind and considerate. Um, same way with, obviously, my dad and my folks in, in the years that after they moved to Chapel Hill and the charity events that he would be around or when he would see my dad someplace. And, um, you know, he, he has that competitive drive. Buzz Peterson and I are friends to this day, and Buzz tells me you know, all the time about when Michael, you know, didn't want it to lose to his mom in cards when they went home on like a fall break his sophomore year. Yeah. He refused to lose to Michael's. He didn't want to lose to Buzz's mom in cards. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. He goes, no, it's bad. It's real bad. Um, are you Clifford and the family holding up? Well, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, um, look, let's be honest. This is, this was not planned, but we've all got to do the, we've all got to do our part. And, I am uh, I'm awfully encouraged the last couple of days by things I've seen not only here in Georgia where I'm back now in Cartersville full time for the time being, but also what I'm hearing from North Carolina about you know social distancing and people doing the right thing. And look, I, I think that we've got great medical people, the the heroes in this, and we all know this are the healthcare workers and the doctors and the nurses at these hospitals and and where they're treating folks who who contract this and. Um, but it, it, it last last couple of days, it sounds like that, you know, if you're willing to the, – the payoff is if you're willing to stay away from people and self-quarantine and do those type things, I mean, I think that's a – I think that's something that is having some impact. And, and you can't say enough about the uh, collective effort, collaborative effort that's gone on in this country to try and get this done. Um, and we need to get it done. Let's be honest. We, yeah. You know, we need to get back to normal. And, you know, there's going to be some hard times ahead. I understand that part. But um, 
And I don't know if you've been affected by anybody. I just found out today that a friend of mine in radio in Atlanta lost his dad to it last night. Um, you know, and that's that's just tragic. I mean, that's that's just something that, you know, I, I couldn't fathom uh, six months ago, let alone six weeks ago. And um, But, man, I, I sure hope that, uh, that as collective people, our society, we can do the right thing. Here. It's very well said, Wes. And um, we look forward to things getting back to normal sometime soon so we could see you and Packers <laughs> face back in the – Basement. Yeah, I, don't ACC know I, don't, I don't know particularly how effective that is, Josh. <laughs> uh, but you know, if you have time, you could start exploring. Like, I mean, looking at college football stuff, like I'm doing right now. I mean, holy cow, DJ Ugalale, right? I guess maybe I didn't have Clemson last year, so as I told somebody the other day, they said, "How do you pronounce the quarterback's name?" I said, "I don't know until I get him for a game. I'm not going to worry about it." As far as I'm concerned, 16 is Trevor Lawrence, and that's all. That's where I stop. Uh, you're the absolute best, man. Take Thanks care, for Josh. doing this. You that's, bet, man. That's West Durham. He's on Twitter at West Durham. Up next, two of the primary functions of professional sports that seem to be lost on a lot of the public today. Keep it here on the drive. Want to become a real sports fan? Leave it right here. It turns everyone it touches into raging psychotics. All things sports. Well, sometimes. On the drive with Josh Graham. I've got my big board ready to go. This is the heart of college basketball country. So we're going to do our ACC Big Four Fantasy Draft. With the NFL Draft just a few weeks away, we're going to have a draft every single week. Last week, it was the Panthers' all-time fantasy draft. Right here, ACC Big Four Fantasy Draft. And the format goes as following. We each have to draft a point guard, a shooting guard, a small forward, a power forward, a center, and you will be granted one player as a guard off the bench and one player as a forward off the bench. So every, all three of us will have seven picks, a seven-round draft. It's going to be a snake-style draft. Robert just randomized an order that we're going to go in. Robert, what is the order here? It is going to start off with me, go to you for the second pick, and go to Aaron for the third pick. And I promise I am not cheating. I do not want the first pick. I never want the first pick. And somehow I keep getting it. Hacking. That's what's happening here. That's what I'm doing. All right, let's dive right in. The Atlanta Braves select Jason Hurt. The New Orleans Pelicans select Zion Williamson. Baltimore Ravens select Lamar Jackson. The Charlotte Hornets select P.J. Washington Jr. The Carolina Panthers select Cam Newton. Bang, 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 bang. With the NFL Draft right around the corner, the drive with Josh Graham is on the clock. This is the all-time ACC College Football Fantasy Draft. All right, we're going to blow right through these, fellas. 30 to 45 seconds of pick. I think that should be the rules for this virtual draft coming up. That you have to make each pick after 30 seconds. We're all done with this draft after just a few hours. I love the idea of that. Better on radio than probably real life. Robert, you're on the clock. I'm not on the clock. My pick is turned in, and I'm taking James Worthy. James Worthy is off the board as Robert's first pick. It does drive me crazy when people say Michael Jordan is the greatest college basketball player ever. I don't even think he was the greatest player on his team. James Worthy, I believe, to be the best team or the best player on that Tar Heel team. I think it's a pretty good pick because not very deep small forward I'm next on the clock in terms of all-time greats that you could have as a small forward the list is short I'm gonna go with NC State great David Thompson as my first pick one of the greatest what-ifs I would love to see a documentary done on his greatness because a lot of people don't appreciate it go back and watch the highlights kids go back and look at what this guy accomplished winning a national title of course in 74 David Thompson my first pick. For my first pick in our fantasy draft, I will take Tim Duncan. Oh, I had Tim Duncan very high up 
on my big board. He was number five on my big board here. So that's a, that's a tough out. You have the next pick two in the snake. Uh, subsequently, I would take Zion Williams. Whoa! Zion's your small forward? Woo! That's a, that's a scary front court, Robert. Zion and Tim Duncan coming straight at you. All right. Zion's off the board. Okay. With my next pick, I'm also going to go in the front court. I'm going to pick... Man, this is tough. There are two people I'm picking between right now. I got to pick one. I'm going to take Christian Leitner. Uh, go ahead. I'm going to take Leitner. Had to. Just such a tough call. It is a tough call. And now I'm scrambling to see which fours I could just put at my center spot and not care. Uh, I've got back-to-back -back picks here. Uh, one of my picks, fairly easy for me, uh, Vince Carter for my first pick. Vince Carter. I'm going to be playing him at the two. Okay. So Vince Carter's off the board. We're now starting the third round. Snake draft. Robert, you're up. And as, as rough as it for me to keep going UNC players, I'm going to take Antoine Jameson. Wow. So you got... Do you want to do you want to spell Antoine Jameson's name? A N T W A A N. A N T A W N. One of the stranger name spellings, right there with Dwayne Wade D W A or D W Y A N E. Nailed it. So you got Vince Carter, James Worthy, and Antoine Jameson. I got David Thompson, Kristen Leitner. Aaron has Zion Williamson and Tim Duncan to this point. I think I'm going to play Tyler Hansborough at the power forward. I'm going to take Hansborough with my next pick. Aaron, that means you're up. With the next pick, I will take Chris Paul as my point guard. CP3! I had him ranked as my second ranked point guard here. That's a that's a really good pick. Point guard might actually be the thinnest position of the bunch. All right, Aaron, where are you going next? Then I'm taking Michael Jeffrey Jordan as oh, my shooting guard. I, I thought I was gonna get him as a steal in the middle of the fourth round. Oh, wrong. Sir. Yeah. So you got CP3, MJ, Zion, and Tim Duncan. Ah. Uh, that's not, it's not a bad uh, four spot to bring out there. To ensure I get a good point guard here, I'm going to go Phil Ford with my next pick. Phil Ford is the pick. All right. Um... I guess I'm going to go ahead and get my point guard here. I'm going to take... Ugh. I guess I'm going to go Bobby Hurley here. Oh, I totally forgot about Bobby Hurley. He wasn't on my board altogether. I think that might just be a mistake on my part. That's a really good pick. Bobby Hurley. Strong stuff there. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know another center that I would want to take. So I'm going to take John Collins and make him play my five. John Collins at the five for Robert. Now, I got a big-time decision to make at shooting guard here. Do I take Battier or do I take J.J. Redick? Um, man. J.J. had longevity. My girlfriend has a big time crush on JJ. Should that be more inspiration to take JJ or not? Tick, 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 tick. Oh, yeah, that clock's going. I need some of that spark that he brings. I'm going to take JJ Reddick. JJ Reddick and Christian Leitner on the same team, you guys. Who's the most hated player on my team? And Hansborough. 
Only one of them has a documentary about how much people hate them. Good point. Aaron, you're up. That's a small forward position. I will play Grant Hill. Oh, so you're going small lineup. Oh, Timmy D's my center. Timmy D's the center? Yeah. And Zion, your power forward? Yeah. All right. Aaron's playing small. I like it. I like it a lot. So am I back here with back-to-back picks? Aaron has his next oh, pick. Oh, that's right. That's right. All right. Addressing uh, one of my bench positions. Come off the bench with Rodney Rogers. Oh, I thought none of you guys were going to take Rodney. I could get him with my last pick. But since I was on the fence about JJ or Shane Battier, I guess I'll take Battier now as one of my bench players. I'm going to take Shane Battier there. Robert, your last two picks. Uh, for my bench guard, I am going to take Spud Webb. Spud. And I'm going to get another uh, NC State Wolfpack guy. I'm going to get Lorenzo Charles. And Lorenzo Charles to round things out for Robert Walsh. As for me, I have one more pick remaining here. You already took Antoine Jameson off the board. Grant Hill, he's gone. Man, this this gets really difficult now. I think I have one more pick here. Julius Hodge, Jay Williams, Randolph Childress. Do I have any Wake players on my lineup? I got Phil Ford, J.J. Redick, David Thompson, Hansborough, Leitner, Battier. Tick, 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 tick. Just because... Go ahead and get Lynn Chapel. <laughs> I mean, Josh Howard and Randolph Childress are still out there. I'm just going to go with Randolph Childress. I'm going to round things out with Randolph Childress as my bench player. All right. So Somebody's getting... yelling in all caps on my Twitter feed. Where's Tom Gugliotta? <laughs> <laughs> getting thrown out of a game by Carl Hess somewhere. All right. My last pick from a bench player, my last guard coming off the bench. Give me Jay Williams. Yeah. That, that, those were the three I was going between Jay Williams, Julius Hodge, Randolph Childress. We got a strong, strong team that's been put together here. I'm looking at these lineups. For me, I have Phil Ford at point guard, shooting guard J.J. Redick, David Thompson's my small forward, Tyler Hansborough, Christian Leitner, my post players, off the bench, Shane Battier and Randolph Childress. Robert has Bobby Hurley point guard, Vince Carter as the two, James Worthy, small forward, power forward, Antoine Jamison, John Collins at the five, Spud Webb, Lorenzo Charles on the bench. Aaron, Chris Paul at the point, MJ at the two, Grant Hill the three, Zion Williamson playing power forward. I almost said the four, but I know how Coach K would feel about that. Tim Duncan is playing center. Rodney Rogers, Jay Williams coming off the bench. We're going to put these lineups on social media. You tell us at Sports Hub Triad who put together the best roster. Who's the best general manager here? Because last week, most of the feedback we got was, I put together a pretty strong lineup here. I think all of us did pretty good in the ACC Big Four draft. Coming up. A popular destination for Cam Newton is no more. At least a popular destination rumor. I'll tell you what team that is and three others I still believe are in the running. Keep it here on the drive. Here's your mic check. Check, mic check. Test, check, check. You're on the drive with Josh Graham. Okay, Jordan Rodriguez from The Athletic going to join us in 15 minutes to talk some Panthers football. Here's what I've done. I got a bunch of NFL trading cards here, unopened packs. I love the idea 
on the radio of us opening up packs of cards here. We have no idea who's inside, and we go to war. We're going to play a game of war, but rather than have it as no skill involved at all, just a game of luck, what we're going to do instead, we have categories here that we're going to come up with each week. Ten-card packs. We need to figure out, out of the ten-card pack, who our best dancer is, our best cook, our best fighter, our best ladies' man, and our worst Facebook friend. Who would be the worst Facebook friend out of the ten players that you draw? So we'll have a minute or so to figure this out. Then me and Robert will debate it. And if we can't come to an agreement, Aaron is going to rule who wins a particular category. Whoever gets three out of the five wins the trading card war. This means war! You're a tough little guy, aren't you? This means war! Hey, hey, it's cool, it's cool. This means war. What? Does it have to? Can it mean something else? Okay, you dirtbags! This means war! Finish him! All right! Open up your packs! Oh, it's such a great feeling. I love opening up cards. Don't tell me who you got, Robert. That might give me an advantage here. Oh my gosh. I got a great pack of cards here. A lot of stars. Oh my god. A lot of quarterbacks. I already know I'm winning one of these easily. Why the hell is Rashawn Gary in here? Because he's a rookie. Oh my gosh, Robert. I think I'm going to win this week. I don't even care. I don't even care who you have on the other side. All right. Best dancer, best cook, best fighter, best ladies man, worst Facebook friend. Man. Okay. Dancer's going to be the most difficult one here, I think, unless you already have somebody who you think would be a great dancer. How many guys do you have in your pack that are just irrelevant? Two. Two. You have two guys that are irrelevant. You have a way better pack than I I know. I have a really good pack. All right. Here, I have four guys who are worth a crap. Let me read you my irrelevant players. Give me your irrelevant players and I'll give you mine. Sony Michelle. Eh, come on. Yeah, okay. I already Sonny ha- Michelle's not that bad. I mean, he's irrelevant for this. This. Where are you putting him out on this list, Josh? <laughs> Where, best fighter? The dude is five foot six. Like Alex Barnes, Gary Jennings. I have Devontae Adams, Marquise Blair, and Ryan Finley. Yeah. Oh, Ryan Finley went to state at least. Yeah, he's gonna be my worst Facebook friend. Dylan Mitchell and Rashawn Gary are the two I had, and McCole Hardman. And yeah, who the hell's McCole Hardman, right? Trying to get a rise out of Aaron. Right is good. All right. Uh, I yeah, have, I have mine. I have too many great players. I don't know what to do with here, Robert. Like, this is this is pretty tough for me right now. So you haven't lined up your stuff yet? Um, <laughs> give me one. Okay, yeah, yeah. I got it lined up. I got it lined up. Okay, where are we starting at with best dancer? Let's start with best dancer. Uh, I am going to lay down a Mark Ingram as my best dancer. I'm going to lay down a Gronk. <laughs> Aaron, who? I don't know, man. I feel like. I mean, come on. Gronk isn't even in this year's pack. How did you get him? It's mother bleeping Gronk. How is he in your pack of cards? I got Gronk. This is 2019. He didn't even play. I got Gronk. All right. So, Gronk, while he enjoys dancing, is he good at it? Yes. Uh, he break dances. Is up, up for debate. He has his own dance party. I feel like, yeah, he's a fist-pumping, jumping guy. Mark Ingram can actually dance. Mark Ingram, I have seen his moves in the end zone. Mark Ingram gets the nod. Oh, that is such BS. I wasted Gronk for this. I have such a good deck. Look at my deck. I had freaking Gronk. Gronk dances like a toddler. Gosh, I should have saved him for ladies, man. Uh, Best cook. 
I'm going to raise. Wait till you saw who I put for ladies, man. I'll wait till you see who I beat. I doubt you're going to beat me. In it, uh, I got a feel that I will. If we lay down the same card, what happens? We have to lay down someone else that That's we right. selected. That's right. Okay, because uh, I feel like if you're that confident, we must be. Best cook. I have Leonard Fournette. Andrew Luck. I feel like Andrew Luck's food would not be seasoned Oh, my at all. gosh. Are you kidding me? This guy's detailed-oriented. Oh, no he looks like he would be a great chef. I, That's a guy I want. And I, I bet he's really had more experience. Cook. He's been doing a lot of cooking this past year, too. I, how do you know that? Where has he been cooking at? You're just at assuming? Home. He's been staying at no, home. He, Your guy's been playing football. No. Andrew Luck has not. Look at Leonard Fournette. Of course, that guy knows how to cook. He's thicker than a snicker. It's Andrew Luck. Leonard Fournette is from New Orleans, Louisiana. No, he isn't. Are you certain? I don't think Leonard Fournette is from Louisiana. If Josh is wrong about this, do I automatically win? Born January 18th, 95 in New Orleans, Louisiana. Okay. I apologize. That man can cook. You're really basing it off of just the fact he's from New Orleans. It's New Orleans. This is so ridiculous. Jambalaya, gumbo. I mean, this is absurd. Really? In fact, I want this to be put on a poll. Aaron, put this on a poll. It's not who's a better? It. Who's a bet? I know it won't, but I need people to know who's a better cook: Andrew Luck or Leonard Fournette. Put them both out there and then tag them both on Twitter too. Because to imagine how confused. Imagine how confused they're going to be that people in North Carolina are discussing who's a better cook between between Leonard Fournette and Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck looks like he has five spices in his spice can. <laughs> yeah, it's like garlic. Onion powder, cayenne pepper, <laughs> and salt paprika. And pepper. <laughs> yeah. Best fighter. Uh, you can vote on that poll at Sports Hub Triumph. I'm going to raise you Debo Samuel. First, because his name is Debo. Also, he's exactly the size that I would want somebody that's fighting on my side. I better win this one. It's DK Metcalf. Okay? The guy is ripped. The guy will rip your face off. It's yeah, but DK he can't Metcalf. Move that fast. He's obviously pretty like stiff. I wonder if Debo would be able to slide in there and get some punches in. It's. I'm I know done. you don't watch UFC or anything, but it's not always the biggest, strongest guy that always wins. Sometimes, but also I don't want you to win. I don't want to win on straight three. But I will say I would pick Debo Samuel over DK Metcalf in a fight. Aaron, who do you take? Uh, in this instance, I think we're going with DK Metcalf. Thank you, that guys. Jack, best ladies man. This is the one we've all been ready for. Jimmy G, I'm raising you. Somebody I know for a fact gets after it. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold? (laughs) Oh, my. This is the dumbest (laughs) argument ever. He got mono. (laughs) He got mono? Jimmy G took out a porn star. Jimmy G did date a porn star. This is the game is over. I mean, I don't even have to. Sam Darnold missed the fourth of the year because of his ladies' manness. He could have he kissed a dude for that. You don't know who he kissed to get mono. You don't know what happened in the comfort of Jimmy G's home. I know that he took her out on a public date. He has the chin of a god. And I guarantee you my mom would pick Jimmy G. If she knew the, who both these people were, she would pick uh, Jimmy G over Sam Darnold. I'll on this one. Lastly. <laughs> thank God it didn't come down to this. Worst Facebook friend. Uh, I'm going to raise you Ryan Finley because I imagine that he would post a lot of political such. Maybe too many pictures of his kids. His profile picture is probably him and a dog. Maybe him holding a fish. Uh, So I've got Ryan Finley. I will counter with Matthew Stafford. Oh, he's probably probably the exact same. Matthew Stafford would be an awful Facebook friend. Just look at his facial hair. It would be it would be a lot of pictures of his family sitting on the porch in Him front of the brick dog. house. Yeah. Ba- I'll just say two words that I think salt my case here. Backwards cap. There you go. I think you won this game by a score of three to two. Congratulations to you. But it is absurd the idea that you think that Leonard Fournette is a better cook than Andrew Luck. The oh. guy with the Stanford. Like, Dude, that doesn't mean he's a good cook. Like, Just because he knows geometry or math does not mean he's a good cook. Look at that guy. He is as caucastic as it gets. Like, It's like, what do you put on your steak? He's like, I'm a salt and pepper guy. I wasn't going to go there. 
Was this a good segment? I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was fun. All right. Maybe because I like opening packs. Me too. Who's more responsible for Cam Newton remaining unsigned, the Panthers or the coronavirus? We'll ask Jordan Rodrigue, Panthers beat writer from The Athletic, next on The Drive. An authentic American genius. So without further ado, here is Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. I am so upset right now. I thought I had a great pack of cards that we opened up and we had our NFL trading card war and I thought for sure Andrew Luck would win as the better cook than whatever Robert threw out there. He came out here with Leonard Fournette and he said just because he's from New Orleans, he's a better cook. And so we have it on a poll and I'd love to imagine Andrew Luck or Leonard Fournette seeing a poll out there. Who do you think is a better cook? Andrew Luck or Leonard Fournette, wondering what the hell are we talking about in North Carolina? Then again, look where we're at today with Who what we have in sports. On the Sports Hub Triad Twitter. I'm looking it's, at this thing. It's it's I get on here to look at the poll and it's already been voted on twice. So you're saying that I'm sabotaging this poll. I would now. say that it has been voted on twice and, by two users. And now One we're is being joined, Triad. And now we're being joined by Jordan Rodrigue, who apparently has a take on this as well. Robert and Aaron are dead set. It's Leonard Fournette. Who's a better cook as we start our food and football segment with something that blends rarely both of them together? I think it's Leonard Fournette. And I say that because I actually went out there when the Panthers were going to draft him or they were talking, people thought the Panthers were going to draft him. Some did. I was on the McCaffrey train. Um, I went out there though and did a big feature on him and his and his kind of his family and his background. And um, I have never eaten better in my life. Wow! What was on the menu? So, yeah. So I pulled out. I pulled out uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of a flex on you there, Josh, because <laughs> I had I could back it up. I think I had I have a little in person experience. I could back it up on that. Gosh, one, so she has all the information. Sure. She has all the information on the Panthers and everything else. She's on Twitter at Jordan Rodriguez. Read her stuff in the Athletic. Can I ask what was on the menu? It was just a bunch of different restaurants, and so all the you know, obviously New Orleans is such a vibrant food city. And the other thing is, you know, he's raising a big family, and um, you know, brothers taking care of brothers, taking care of sisters. Um, you know, there's a rotation of people who are, are making the dinners um, and things like that. And so, I mean, it's just that any anyone in New Orleans uh, is automatically going to have that advantage over anybody else, I think. You were talking to Panthers GM Marty Herney yesterday, and he wanted to dive into the specifics of what happened and explaining the decision-making of Cam Newton being kept on the roster and then the press release that went out that said that they allowed for him to explore a trade. We see national talking heads saying that the Carolina Panthers, they sabotaged Cam's uh, chances of trying to sign with another team by keeping him on the roster as long as they did. Now that you have all the information you're privy to, who do you think is more responsible or what do you think is more responsible for Cam not being on a roster uh, the Panthers' negligence or the logistics nightmare created by the coronavirus? Um, I mean, I don't think I don't think he was going to be in their plans, regardless. Um, you know, I, I don't know that that you can like assign responsibility in that regard. I think that you just it just is what it is. Um, to coin a very unpopular Panthers phrase. Um, <laughs> It just kind of it, it was it was the end of an era, and yes, logistically was handled poorly uh, in terms of the optics, and and honestly, the optics specifically is what um, you know Cam was taking issue to with that sort of rebuttal on Instagram. You know, you don't you don't go out and put out there um, stop permission for a trade when like two days earlier the GM informed you that he was going to be training you um, or trying to, but. Like I had had reported a few times at the athletic, you know, he keeping him in 2020 was one of their options, but it was more of a considered to be more of a high risk option. And if other plans didn't work out, 
he was he was going to be still an option. Um, but it, it worked out to where a plan they liked better uh, in terms of alignment with the new staff, um, knowing the Joe Brady system, having been in a system that Joe Brady will probably implement several variables from, um, and and a guy who can be maybe less of a franchise quarterback and more of a great bridge presence who has a very positive impact as well in a locker room and a community just like Cam did um, and does. I think that that was someone in Teddy Bridgewater, that was the, the lowest risk option for them moving into their offseason. And when they found out that he was going to be financially available, which was um, you know close to that tampering period, that's when they were able to make their final decision on Cam. So yes, you know, getting rid of him was in, in the conversation, but so was keeping him. And to me, it's not necessarily like a blame thing. It's more like he he was not he was not their most feasible or logical decision based on the minds of the current staff, new owner, um, the direction that they're moving this franchise in. And so, yes, I think it could have been handled a lot better. But um, you know, eras end all the time in the NFL. And for me, I'm excited to see what he does next because I feel like he's going to un- unload a can on people. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> that's that, that's going to be fascinating. The same way Steve Smith did five or six years ago, unleashing three touchdowns on Carolina at uh, M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore the first time those two teams went head-to-head after Smith left the Panthers. This quote from Marty Herney is getting a lot of attention, where he said, quote, um, or specifically he was talking about you have to look at it as making one good decision at a time, try to build a team to make it as competitive as it can be. That's what he said, and some took that as him saying the Panthers aren't tanking, they're trying to be as competitive as possible. And I think in order to answer the question, what are the Carolina Panthers tanking? You have to properly define tanking, and this is what I'm interested in your perspective on, because for me, I don't think tanking is intentionally trying to lose. I don't think you can really do that in the NFL. But you can strip away expensive parts, which generally are the better players, longer contracts, which are generally uh, consisting of better players, and try to veer towards youth and develop that way. The Dolphins, they won games at the end of last year. I thought they were trying to tank. Veering towards youth, a lot of dead cap money, and they got a top five pick as a result. When you look at Carolina's moves, next to the comments you've seen from Matt Rule and also Marty Herney, do you think Carolina is tanking? Well, I agree with you, and you have to you have to have different parameters. There's no like black and white. This is what tanking is, um, and, and I absolutely agree with you. You just have a different framework when, when you talk about all the variables that come within a football team. Um, I think a lot of people are are not seeing, um, you know, Carolina's going to have a lot of, of money next year, next offseason, 2021. They're going to have a crazy amount of cap space because they're piling all of this dead money in this, this offseason. They're going to have a lot of, a lot of extra money. Um, if they win games with Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, this roster is not going to be built to win more than an 8-8. Eight and eight. I think next season, and I really would doubt that they would even be that good, but they're going to be able to amass resources and have, you know, enough talent that is peaking or is near its peak on the roster that's, that's tradable for assets. Um, You're going to have enough, enough resources to buy your way higher. If you need a bigger, a higher draft pick for for, say, you know, quarterback or, or some premier prospect. And what I always try to tell people is like, I don't think you can. When I when I think about David Tepper and high risk options, he's not he's not a high risk unless it's a smart risk, and that's how he made all of his money. Tanking in the very basic sense of the word is too high risk of a procedure to try to embark on. And so, this is a guy who, if he wants to get something and secure something, he's going to use his resources to do so less so leaving it up to chance and human variable. And so I think that we saw that with Ron Rivera's firing with four games left. You don't want that like miraculous Ron Rivera classic win the last one for good morale. Like you don't want that. Um, You want to make sure you secure, you you take out as much human error as you can and secure your draft pick. And I can see that happening um, next year. If they don't like the way the season is going or if different things happen, and they, they feel like they need to go and uh, adjust their direction, I can see them doing so on the fly um, in terms of just making a couple player or personnel decisions. I can see them 
um, buying their way up or down um, as they want to, but I can't see them going out there and trying to lose or, or anything like that. So in that sense of the word, no, I don't think they're tanking. How do you define tanking? Well, I just, I mean, I don't think they're going, I don't think they're tanking. I think that what they will be trying to do is accumulate as many resources as possible. I don't think that they necessarily believe that losing games um, factors in as heavily as, as maybe the public perception of that. Right, does. right. I, I understand that. I, I just mean to you, not the Carolina Panthers specifically, but just the definition of tanking. What do you view that definition as being? Well, I mean, stripping everything away, um, barely fielding a team and a roster, and yeah. setting up your staff in a position to fail. I think the last four games they were tanking. That's the definition of tanking. Setting your setting your people up for failure. But I don't think that they're going to be doing that this this upcoming season. Jordan Rodrigue with us from the Athletic Carolinas. So have you had a chance to watch Tiger King or no? No, I'm holding out because I I don't like shows without redeemable characters. And I don't think yeah. anyone in that show is redeemable. No one is redeemable. You're absolutely right. But you know who Joe Exotic is. He's the guy that has it's all over the internet. He has the long hair. I do. All that. Okay. So nobody's able to get a haircut. So we're all looking rough. I was on Roy Williams' uh, uh, Zoom press conference today. He had the mountain man kind of fake beard going on there. And we're all looking rough right now. Uh, so I said I felt so confident based on your mock draft at the Athletic Carolinas where you have Javon Kinlaw, South Carolina, going at the number seven pick. We see a lot of people talking about defense. Isaiah Simmons, if he drops there, could go. Or maybe even Derek Brown, which Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper have mocked as being the Panthers pick all along here. I felt so confident that if Carolina does not, at number seven, pick one of those three players, again, staying at number seven, if they do not pick one of those three players, I agreed with these guys on the show for some reason that I would dress like Joe Exotic for a week, cut my hair into a mullet, whenever we're allowed to cut our hair at some point. Do you think I'm safe? Uh, I think I'm having a hard time understanding the premise. So you're Number seven pick. Okay. If it's anybody else other than those three players, Simmons, Brown, or Kinlaw, I have to pay a punishment. Oh, yeah, you're safe. I think you're safe. <laughs> I'm, yeah. glad, I'm glad to hear it. Um, food, football, let me know something in isolation Jordan Rodrigue has been eating. Um, I When it was a little bit cooler, I started my sort of social distancing and isolation. I started that at the beginning of March um, after coming back from the combine. And I was eating a lot of curries. Um, I have a big jar of curry paste and I've been trying a bunch of different vegetables. And I actually made a really good sweet potato and coconut milk curry um, that I would recommend to anybody. And it's very, very good for you. And um, it really did the job in terms of that comfort food when you're missing human contact, et cetera. You're like, oh, I'll just eat my feelings. And that definitely did the job. Coconut milk, big fan of all of it ever since I started doing Blue Apron, getting those boxes delivered to my house and such. But I'll also say this. I think we've talked about this before in one of our visits. Uh, support local restaurants. I mean, every day. I, I try uh, because radio is essential uh, work for some reason, or at least that's how they define it in broadcast. So I'm out there and I get takeout orders uh, from local restaurants every single chance I get. And every week I try to get a gift card at a place because, again, it's always good for a rainy day whenever things get back to normal. So that's that's the way I'm going about it. What place are you very excited to visit once things open up again? Um, I miss really good sandwiches. I miss Rhino Market. Um, and I just miss kind of like just – the act of going out and, and sitting and sort of people watching and having a co good conversation at restaurants. And, um, but I really, really miss a good rhino market sandwich. Um, that is the best sandwich in Charlotte, in my opinion. And I really miss them. Jordan, you're the best. Stay safe. And, uh, it's good to hear from you. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate you. Take care. You got it. That's Jordan Rodriguez.